Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is January 25th, 2021. I have a special guest I'll be introducing momentarily. Excited to have him on. But first, Cavs had a game last night. Most of us watched it. Some of us were watching Patrick Mahomes play through a turf toe to get his team to a second consecutive Super Bowl. Uh, you know, for Browns fans, I'm not one, I'm not a Browns fan personally. It's probably hard watching the guy that, that was out when the team beat you come back and now get his team to the Super Bowl, but there's a lot to be happy about. And I don't talk about my, my NFL fandom much. I won't hear, but let's just say my favorite team is also in the AFC North and was beat by the team that lost to the chiefs last night. So uh, it was a great game. The Cavs did not have as good a game. I did manage to make it until about halfway through the third quarter. They lost 142 to 103. I had six keys to the game coming in. Keep Jalen Brown under 30 points. He scored 33 in 19 minutes. Yikes. Score 105. They only scored 103. Uh, get Marcus Smart in foul trouble. Limit his impact. He had almost near, near point assist double-double. Keep Tristan off the glass. He had more rebounds than Drummond and Allen almost combined. It just it, it didn't work. You know, I thought that the center play for the Cavs had to be there. It was not. You know, you can't win them all. When you beat the Nets twice, you know, you get a little excited. And then the Celtics came in and said, you know, we're, we're hot too. We also had three straight wins. They got it done. And now the Cavs will play the Lakers tonight. More on that another time. But introducing today's guest, he was a starting point guard from the midway point of the 03-04 season all the way to the end of 04-05. Very solid defender. Had a smooth looking jump shot. He wore number zero. His name is Jeff McGinnis, coach now of the Combine Academy. It's great to bring you on today. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're here with, with, uh, with Jeff McGinnis. And Jeff, you know, you your NBA career started off a little slower, I'm sure, than you would have liked to. But obviously, as all of us saw when you were in Cleveland and in Portland and with the Clippers, is that persistence pays and ended, wound up getting a couple hundred starts in the NBA. And we're going to talk about the, the days in L.A. and in Portland, but first, uh, if you will, when you were told you were going to be coming to the Cavs during the 03-04 season uh, from Portland <clears throat> management, now what was your initial reaction? Uh, I was excited. Um, I knew Paul Salas, and I knew they had a, a great couple young players. With LeBron being the main guy, he was a rookie, um, and I was excited to go. Um, I knew they were a young team. They had Carlos Boozer, uh, Galskis. Uh, we had our renewable. We had some great players on that team. So I knew if I just come down, um, I was excited to go down and play. Because when I got there, I don't think people realized, like, I probably could play. Because, like you said, my career was rocky starting off. But I think when I got there, um, they knew I could play. And I was happy to be there. So it was it was a great fit for me. I love I love being in Cleveland. It reminds me of Charlotte, where I'm from. So I love actually Cleveland. And we're going to talk about this, but you also got to finish your career in Charlotte. So you kind of got your, you got to go home away from home and then the actual home itself, you know, uh, with the restart Bobcats. But then, yeah, coming in, you come in with an 18 year old kid named LeBron James leading the franchise. You weren't there at the very beginning of the season, but you were there for what was actually until two years ago, the last time you guys missed the playoffs. But, you know, the, I, I personally think the 0405 Cavs have what it took. And when you're, still you know the team was growing and what I from what I noticed you know 42 and 40 that second year there was a coaching change uh, during the season but from if my memory serves correctly you guys needed help from the Nets who lost to the Celtics unless it was vice versa on that last day of the season right 
Yeah, I think so. It was like that. But um, <clears throat> I just think um, personally, just being real, the coaching change, um, I stopped starting. Um, you know, a lot of stuff happened when when it was a management change first. Uh, Gunn sold the team to Gilbert. And when, when Gilbert took the team, instantly I stopped starting. Uh, they started starting Eric Snow. I guess for money reasons, uh, I don't know, but it just it just changed our team a little bit uh, for me personally. Like, and then we we won. Like, I started starting at the end again. We won the last four games in a row, and then like you said, we needed all the help. But I just felt like if we would have kept the team the same, with me running the point, and I think everything was working out well. I I just didn't understand the move at the time, and I think a lot of people didn't. So, but like I said, it's a business. So, I, I, what, what can I do about it? But yeah, we needed all this help. But I felt like we had our destiny in our own hands. And when the management changed, everything changed. So it, it is what it is now. Yeah, and, uh, interesting time to say the least. But, you know, so you get to <clears> Cleveland, you know, early in the season, you're traded for Darius Miles, your old teammate actually in L.A., which again, we're going to get to. But what was your overall playing experience sharing the court with King James? It was awesome, man. Um, I learned a lot from him. His work ethic was awesome. Uh, he was a great teammate. I knew he would be this kind of player now. I knew his career would be like this because he's a great person. Um, before basketball player, he's a great guy, family man. Um, always been that kind of guy. If he, if he can help you, he would. Anybody on the team, from the from the trainers to the people that work, work the arena, he, he, he was hands-on with everybody. And I knew he would be a, a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest players to ever play back then when he was 18. And it's crazy that, you know, he not only was during those first seven years and a couple of years that you were there, then he did it in Miami with everyone hating him. Then he came back to Cleveland as the hero again, went to four more finals. And now he just won a title <clears throat> in the other conference that so many great players can't do. We saw Kawhi, you know, he won with the Spurs and then he won in the East. He had a hard time his first year in the West. Last year, I don't think deserves an, should have an asterisk just based on, every team having the same opportunity once they played. But so we talk about LeBron, but for you, Jeff, do you have a favorite moment uh, from your two years in Cleveland? Uh, we had some good games there. Um, not, not really a favorite moment. Um, just, just my whole overall experience, just being there at Cleveland, playing with uh, LeBron, uh, playing with Carlos Boozer, playing with uh tractor trailer, just some of the people that I met there in the city in itself. Um, not a, not a favorite moment because I don't think we won a championship when I was there. So, um, but no, nah, just just overall being there, um, it was just a fun place to be. Um, I'm a Steeler fan, so um, when you was talking about the Browns earlier, I was kind of getting sick to my stomach. But yeah, I used to have I'm a lot of. I'm sorry about uh, that. I used, to, <laughs> I used to go. I used to go at it with a lot of Browns players because everybody knew I liked the Steelers. So it was all in fun though. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun times in Cleveland. So not one one thing just sticks out to me, but. Just overall, I just had a great experience. I'm actually a Ravens fan, so we're going oh, to... St <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we'll stick to basketball. We'll stick to basketball. But you know you know what we can say, though? And actually, I'll just ask you this. Even with whatever happens with Pittsburgh in the offseason, we can admit that for, for myself, for Browns Nation and Steelers Nation, that and when Joe Burrow comes up, that division is going to be the cream of the crop for the next five, six years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We got to get a quarterback to catch up, though. But, uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I, it, 11 and 0, and then, you know, they beat the Ravens in that uh, weird Wednesday afternoon game that a lot of people probably had to miss. I don't want to talk about that game either. But, you know, uh, it was a, it's been a fun season. I guess, all right, while we're here, 
you have a Super Bowl pick before we go back and talk more hoops? Uh, the Chiefs. Um, I hope the Chiefs. Um, I think the Chiefs will win it. They, they just good, man. They, but you know, you can't ever count Tom Brady out. But I just hope the Chiefs win it because I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm gonna keep it in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, absolutely. And so now we're gonna we're gonna go back to uh, before the Cavs days. Young Jeff McInnes, you know, growing up in Charlotte. Who's your favorite NBA team in your youth? Uh, the Lakers. Uh, I've been a Lakers fan probably all my life. Um, just just my Lakers. Showtime was my team. And then, uh, well, obviously, you know, you. I believe you were in college. I think you're you. If Kobe were still alive, I think you guys would be similar in age. You might be one or two years older. But what was it right. like for you, kind of watching him? And then when you were in college, I'd assume you still watched the Lakers when you could, and that was your team. And you weren't yet in the league, so you didn't have to not show that favoritism anymore. Right. Well, you know, Kobe's uh, Kobe came. We came in the league together, a '96 draft. So. Um, I knew Kobe uh, from from then, so I was watching the Lakers way before him, like you know Magic and all the Showtime era, whatever. Going to college, um, that was the Houston Rockets when they had Vernon Maxwell and Elijah Wan. So I was I was uh, I'm a little I think I'm a little two three years older than Kobe, but um, yeah, I just grew up a Laker fan. Just the way they played, um, big point guard. I thought I was always be a big point guard like Magic. Um, push the ball. They have fun playing. They run. And it just looked fun. I think basketball is a game that should be played for having fun. Um, so I, I gravitated to the Lakers. So that was always my team growing up. And then uh, growing, and then keeping it on, on the younger Jeff McKinnon's side, uh, what players inspired you in your youth? I mean, you talk about wanting to be the big point guard like Magic, but other than, than guys um, like that, who inspired you the most uh, to want to be a great boot, uh, bowler? I think being from North Carolina, you, of course, Michael Jordan inspires everybody from this area. Um, just Michael Jordan and Anthony Hardaway. Penny was one of my favorite players growing up. I, I love Penny Hardaway's game. So I, I love the stuff that he did. All, all big point guards, I used to love them. Um, like I said, Magic, Penny, um, uh, just those guys. Those probably Isaiah Thomas, um, because he was a wizard with the ball. So those guys was my era growing up. I, I like John Stockton too. I, I learned a lot from John Stockton. I used to always watch his film to see how I can learn how to be a better pick and roll player. So. John Stockton. I, I learned a lot from him just watching his game tapes. Yeah, and for me, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm nowhere near the level of basketball player that you were and some of these guys that go pro are. For me, you know, it's always been, you know, I, I'm born in 95, so I caught the very tail end of John Stockton's career. It's the guys like Stockton, Jason Kidd, and Steve Nash that I loved watching the most because I would right. say those are three guys, when you look at their numbers, the assist figures always jump out of you and the scoring numbers are low despite when you watch uh, anyone that watched watch the last dance who wasn't around to actually watch the Jordan Jazz finals knows how good a shooter Stockton was, but it was never his focus. And Steve Nash, I think, could have averaged 30 points if he wanted. He was a terrific passer. Jason Kidd always just wanted to find the open teammate. That's how the Nets made two finals, not because Jason Kidd was scoring 30-35, because he knew the right play to make every time. And it's not always about points with point guards. Today's era is different, Jeff, but I think you look at guys like that, and you understand that you don't need to come in here and be the alpha who's going to score 25 to 30. Iverson was one of the first that truly dominated as a scorer from that position. Obviously, he played a lot of two guard as well. But I think that's important uh, to know from the point guard spot. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's, the era has changed now. You got Dame Lillard, them boys getting 40 and 50 a night at the point. So <laughs> it is a different game. But that's the way they lead their teams. Um, Steph Curry, they're great leaders, too. Um, 
it doesn't define them as not being good point guards. I think just the era has changed of the scoring point guard. But I think if Dame Lillard, Steph Curry need to set their guys up, they could do that too. So, I, like you said, I just think that's the day's game has changed and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it, it would be fun to get those many shots that the point guards get now. Like, you know, we couldn't jack it up like they jack it up now. But it's a fun game to watch. It's great for the people to watch. And I'm sure it is a great game to play. Yeah, and now we're going to we're gonna take you into when you first came into the NBA. You know, we're a second-round pick by the Nuggets. Spent some time there your rookie year. Went over to the CBA for a season, then went to the Wizards. We're going to skip past, you know, that year with the Wizards. So you did. You made your first six NBA starts in the 98-99 season. Uh, it was a weird time in the NBA. There was no Michael Jordan, and it was the 90s. But came to mm -hmm. the Wizards, I think, four years later. But then you spent the next three seasons uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers, where your first year – you know, 25 games played, then you played, you started 161 out of 162, you know, over the next uh, two, or that you played in over the next two years, you know, as durable as they came in those two years. And you were around a team that had a lot of young studs, you know, Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson were often talked about as coming in as two guys, very young with a lot of potential, you know, Lamar Odom was there, there you had young Corey McGetty before he became a starter. So a two-part question. I'll give you part one. You know, what was it like kind of being around Darius and Q Rich off the court when they were these young, <laughs> hyped talents that were supposed to lead the next generation? They were wild, man. Um, chasing them to high school games. Um, they, they just were full of energy. Young guys that love to have fun. Um, they would go to high school games because they were like the same age as the, the guys that were playing. Um, I think they would always go to just a lot of high school games in the area in L.A., um, we would go to college games. Um, they were fun to be around. We would always go out to eat with them, hang out with them, go to the little bars and stuff. But they were they were fun. I mean, they kept you young, um, especially Q and Darius, especially when they started their little head nodding and yeah. all that. So they, they 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 kept it fun. You know, the energy in our building was so good. Lamar Odom, Elton Brand, um, Mike Oloa Candy. We had a we had a great team. Um, Corey McGetty, like you just mentioned. So we had a lot of good players, Keon Doolin. We had some great players and we had fun every day. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. And everybody was kind of sad that they broke that team up because we wanted to stay together. We just think about the teams that stay together and what, what we could have been. We always talk about that when we see each other. Like I talked to Lamar a couple of weeks ago. You know, we still always talk about what we could have been if that team would have stayed together three or four years. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it was fun being around those guys. And I, I talked to Darius and Q to this day with their Knucklehead podcast. They're doing big things. So shout out to those boys. But um, yeah, they, they, were, they were fun to be around. And you played three very strong years for the Clippers. So when you were there and even now, do you have a, do you, when the Lakers play the Clippers, can you actually root for the Lakers knowing that you were part of that organization for three years? Well, I have a good friend still for the Clippers, Jason Powell. He's the head trainer for the Clippers, and um, we talk a lot. And um, I always mess with him all the time. Um, it's kind of hard when they play. So now I just kind of trying to stay neutral. I played for the Clippers, and, you know, I grew up a Laker fan. So I just stay neutral now. Um, but, yeah, it's hard when they play. So I just kind of stay out of it and watch the game. Yeah, you know, you do what you do what you can. But so after three, <laughs> three strong years with the Clippers on August 12, 2002, as you remember, you know, you signed that contract to the Portland Trailblazers you spent some time with. And you were there for one full season and part of the next year. You played 75 games in 0203, kind of serving as uh, one of the a key defender and playmaker off the bench. You know, this uh, was a Portland playoff team, the 2000s, obviously. 
were not kind to Portland overall. You had a seven-game series then. Then you got in, you all got introduced to Brandon Roy, and we had to say goodbye way too soon. You know, uh, Greg Oden hardly got to see the court. That's a couple of years in a row of picks that could have been incredible that just didn't get the fair shake, although Brandon Roy had his moments. But you went to the playoffs on that 0-2-0-3 team, and you were in the rotation for those uh, seven games in the postseason, Jeff. So what was playoff basketball like? You know, you're going against Dirk and Steve and uh, Michael Finley and these Mavericks. What was it like being in the NBA playoffs? Uh, it was, it was, um, the intensity changed tremendously. Um, I think the regular season is you play hard, but it was a big difference when the playoffs started. I think the intensity ratcheted up that much more, but I mean, it was great to be involved in it, um, to get a chance to play and see it. Um, we were down 0-3 to Dallas, came back, tied it up 3-3 and was actually leading with like 10 seconds left and Van Exel hit a three to break our heart. Um, Nick, Nick Van Exel killed us, but you know, it was just a great playoff experience to be down 0-3 and come back tied up. It, for us, it was great. Like, we had Scottie Pippen. Um, we had a great team. Damon Stoudemire, Rashid, Zach Randolph emerged. That's when Zach Randolph took off and started becoming one of the best players around the league. Um, so we had a great team. They had a great team. So it was a great series. Um, it was just one of those things. Uh, we just One team had to lose, and it was us. But it was a great series, man. So I think uh, – I don't know who, I think Dallas went on to play, I think Sacramento, wasn't it? Yeah, we were supposed to play Sacramento in the next round. And it was, it was crazy. I wanted, to, I wanted that series bad just to get a chance to see Chris Weber. So it was good. He was one of my favorite players growing up too. So I really wanted to play that series to see Chris Weber, but it didn't work out like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's cool though to say that you were almost, and I mean, still haven't seen 3-0 in the NBA. I think uh, your Blazers was one of five or six instances of 3-0 becoming 3-3. I mean, if only you got one of the first three and then it was 3-1 <laughs> and then the Denver Nuggets could be like, yeah, those are like Jeff McInnes' Blazers back in the day. Right, 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 yeah. Unfortunate, man, but it is, you know, everything happened for a reason, so, but it was good times. Yeah, and then you go from Portland to Cleveland. You spent some time with the Nets. You know, as I mentioned before we went on air, I was able to watch you play uh, in person, uh, being a New Jersey guy that's a Cavs fan, and then you go to the Charlotte Bobcats for a couple of seasons, some interesting years with the Bobcats, you know, around the likes of Adam Morrison, and, uh, young Emeka Okafor, Raymond Felton, Sean May, you know, they, they brought, I think, Gerald Wallace in his younger yeah. days before he became the guy we know him, I think, but yeah, some uh, some of the cooler names in the NBA, Othello Harrington and Primoz Brezich were there as well. Um, NBA Live 07 is actually, Jeff, my, uh, that's my favorite basketball video game until I started playing 2K20, so I'm always playing. And I got you, got you as my sixth man. Okay, cool. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to get that in there. You know, even I still have my laptop I got in 2015, I think it is. I still have NBA Live 07 on there because why not? But we look, look back at your whole career. You played 576 games, 334 starts. You were three numbers. You were five for the uh, for, uh, first several years. You were 10 with the Wizards and then... You know, everyone knows from your Twitter handle, McNasty0. Zero. Uh, zero is uh, the preferred number of yours. And you look back at your career, and is there anything you would have done differently? Um, anything done differently? Um, there's a couple of things. I think um, I think I was misunderstood as a, a attitude player. When I just wanted to win and play. Um, so yeah, I, I would probably um, I would probably listen a little more. Um, take advice from some of the older cats that was trying to tell me stuff. I think when you're young, I think all young players go through it. When you're young, you try to do it your way. 
and that's not always the best way sometimes. Um, yeah, I would just probably listen more and work a little harder. I think I was a hard, hard worker, but looking back, I think there's a lot of things I could have done better, work a little more harder. So when I coach now, I try to tell kids about hard work and, you know, hard work is undefeated and, and it's true. So I would have worked a little harder, but I would have probably listened to some older players that was trying to tell me certain things that you just think you are, you know everything. And it's, it's just because you're young. And I think I have a 20-year-old son, he going through it. And it, it's just the era of, of everybody who goes through it. But that's probably it. And just just play harder and listen to listen to my guys. And as far as my career, no, nah, I don't regret none of that. Yeah, I mean, you did. A lot of guys come in, you know, as second-round picks and never make it. You know, you look at every draft class, and within three years, I would say more than half of picks 30 to 60 are gone. There's always some exceptions, you know, but you, you, what you did, and as you say, you know, you persisted. It's not always easy, you know. In some cases, you had a tough road to get in, and you just want to put your head down and do it your own way. But it's great to see that it lasted, what, from 96 all the way to 07, 08. That's 12 years now, even though there's the gap here that you could call yourself an NBA player. So, I mean, you look now and obviously you guys aren't the same player, but I just, I read something this morning that Jimmy Fredette just put up 70 in Shanghai again. <laughs> and as you know, he came in only a couple of years after you left the number, of course, the number 60 pick is the guy that cost him his job. Isaiah Thomas earned every minute he got no disrespect. And it's crazy. You draft two point guards at seven and 60 and 60 becomes the impact player, but he's scoring 70. And he, he, he only lasted three years. So I just think that, you know, you got the work ethic. You, you put your head down and play defense and anything goes. I mean, as you know, we're in a scoring era now. When you played, that wasn't always the case. That's right. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like I said, if you – it just – you got to be tough too. I think everybody can score and do, do their part. Um, I think Fredette is a great player. I, I don't know what happened to him, why he, why he wouldn't be in the league, but – it's obviously something keeping them out because I think those NBA teams don't make too many mistakes. If you can score like that, you'll you'll have a spot in the league. So I don't know. Maybe he don't want to be in the league. Maybe he want to stay over there and keep getting 70. So, um, you know, that's cool, too, and fun, too. So I, I don't really know the situation, but I just know when I watch the games, you know, they the NBA had the best players in the world. So if you if you feel like you're that, you should probably want to be in the league. But I don't know his situation, but I just know most players that I know and be around want to be in the NBA. Yeah, no question about it. Now, before we move on to talk about the current Cavs, you, know, you, you just mentioned a moment ago, you're a coach now. You're the head coach for the Combine Academy. You know, you also got a 20-year-old son into the hoop life. So two questions here for you, uh, Jeff. What are, what are some of the goals you have for yourself and your team at Combine Academy? And then what has been the most rewarding part for you going from playing with the best to perhaps coaching some of the next generation's best? Um, just for me, um, just getting better every day. That's the message to my team every day. Just let's get better every day. Let's win today. And everything else to take care of itself. Um, my goals for myself as a coach is just keep getting better as a coach every day. Um, learning from other coaches, calling other coaches, talking to a lot of, tapping into my resources from a lot of people that I know from, from my NBA days. And I talked to Damon Stoudemire. I, I text Juwan Howard. I talked to a lot of people, Jerry Stackhouse. I talked to all my friends, uh, Paul Salas still. Um, so I, I tap into my resources and I, I try to learn um, from all of this stuff. And I want to be the best coach. So the best way is learn. Like I just told you, in my playing career, I could have listened more. So in my coaching career, I want to take that and do it and listen and learn and take advice from all coaches. And, you know, you can learn a lot from your players too. That's one thing I, I learn a lot from my players. And for my players is just keep pushing them to be the best player they can be. 
our main goal is to go to college for free, keep getting scholarships. And so far, you know, last year, pretty much every kid on our team that was a senior playing in college. Um, I have a couple kids that played for me that's in the NBA. We got three drafted last year. Um, two, uh, Devon Dotson plays for the Bulls. Um, he was he came up through our organization. Um, Tyshawn Alexander, um, he came through our organization. Josh Hall from OKC, he played with us for one or two years. I trained him. So we got a couple guys. Ray John Tucker just signed with the 76ers. He came up through our organization. So that's like four dudes that came through our organization that's in the NBA right now. So Nate Hinton played one year with us. He plays for um, Dallas Mavericks. So we've, we've touched a lot of kids in this era that's now in the NBA. So I think we got a little pedigree for what, what to do and how to do it. So we just want to keep grinding and keep presenting these opportunities for these kids. That's, that's basically why I do it. Yeah, and you've done a great job, as mentioned, you know, and every time, you know, and, you know, these guys are all going to get their opportunities. And, you know, you never know, you know, with a Hinton over in Dallas, you know, that everyone on that team is hurt right now. Anything can happen there. You know, it's been cool to watch. In preseason, I'm sure you watched Tyshawn was balling out right before the year began. Sure. You know, you, you never know when you, you know, you get this great coaching that you're providing and then you go to college, you, you, they take all the lessons they've learned, get it done, and then they enter the pros They've already been well coached. So if they only get three minutes of action at all, they'll know exactly whether it's a 30 point game or a two point game, what to do, how to take those steps and how to be impact players. And that's really great to see that after playing so well, you know, you're back home and you're doing some incredible coaching. So I love seeing that just as a fan of yours. That's really cool. I appreciate that. And now Jeff, let's talk about the team that you played for. You know, one of the reasons we're here today across the Cavs. You know, the Cavs were eight and seven. They beat the Nets twice, and then they just got their boat rocked, man overboard. They were yelling the whole time against Boston last night. It happens, but still eight and eight, a strong start for a team with almost no expectation. Do you think the Cavs can sustain uh, the kind of start they've gotten off to this year as the schedule gets a little tougher? I think so. Um, I think the league is a uh, guard play. Um, they had two great guards uh, with Garland and Sexton. Um, uh, they got they got all the, the pieces on the roster. They got shooting. They got young players. They got older players. They got the two centers. Um, I think Larry Nance and Kevin Love, they got all those guys. So I definitely think they have the pieces to sustain in a crazy like era right now that what's going on with the COVID stuff. You never know what's going on. So as long as they can keep their players healthy and everybody stay, um, because like around the league, people missing games all the time. So if they can stay healthy and keep their players on the court and just just keep riding the energy that they had against the Nets and playing the same way. I think JB Bickerstaff is a great coach. So I think he'll keep those guys motivated and ready to play. And that's why I say he has a young team, a young coach. So I think they will, I think they will sustain. And that's uh, definitely something to be excited about, you know, eight and eight, that's eight wins. They've beaten Philly. He looks like one of the best in the league. They got Brooklyn twice. And now we talk about uh, Garland and Sexlin, and I'm sure you've seen the tweets, obviously, for obvious, for reasons we know the Cavs can't acknowledge the name of the backcourt because they can't use that word in the tweet. But are you a fan of the Sexland moniker for Garland and Sexton? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I see it sometimes. I really didn't understand what they were saying, but I don't know, man. They they probably can come up with a better one, don't you think? Sexland. Yeah, no, it's easier, and then you, you can use it on and then younger audiences. Don't have to. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's kind of catchy, but at the end of the day, you got younger kids that you know support the team, so it, it might be a little tough. But I like those kids. Um, they 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 play. They they tough. Um, 
I played against uh, Colin Sexton in the AAU game back, you know, back in the day. So I knew he was tough. He played with the same intensity as he played then. So, and Darius Garland, I, I coached against him in the um, Elite 24 Under Armour game. And the stuff he could do with the basketball was unreal, like like Kyrie Irving kind of stuff. So, yeah, I knew when Cleveland got those two together. Um, I ain't know how it would work out, but it's working out very good um, because Sexton has turned into a shooter. Now he can shoot the ball better in high school than he did. But he's a great leader in both of them. They're just good. I, I like them on the court together. And so do you think, Jeff, they're both listed at 6-1. It's very rare to get these small, small backcourt pairings that can share minutes together constantly. And, you know, why I think it didn't work with John Beeline for a million reasons was that I think it was four minutes into every game. He'd pull Garland, and then a few minutes later, he'd put him back in for Sexton and only play about 10 to 12 minutes together a game. And those are two top 10 picks right there. And what you've seen from J.B. Bickerstaff, at least earlier in the year before Garland got hurt, was them playing a lot together. Can they win games with the two of them playing together for about 20 minutes a night, or do you think they'd have to be spaced out so they can kind of have a Coro and then another taller guy in there with one of them? I think as long as they put pressure on you offensively and defend, um, that's it. Yeah, I think you definitely can do it. Um, Cause like they gotta defend them too, whoever the guys are. You, as long as they putting pressure on, pre, putting pressure on your offense, and then and just willing to defend. And I think that's the key. It's, it's not about the offensive side; it's on the defensive side, they buy in defensively and guard their guys and figure it out how to get a core and some of those guys in the game. And you know, as long as the mismatches are not too bad, then I think you can play two smaller guards as long as they're willing to defend and you know create pressure and. Maybe pressure the ball up a little, little in the front court a little bit more because you got smaller guards that kind of affect that shot clock. So when they get down the court, it's not it's not 24 seconds now. It's probably 16 or 15. So I think all that affects the the, the game. So if you're going to play small, you just use it to your advantage. Yeah, no question about that. And Jeff, you know, you kind of gave some of your thoughts. You know, we talked about some of the roster earlier, but what are your overall takeaways? You know, the Cavs are eight and eight. They haven't been. Uh, this good with on a team that didn't have LeBron on it. Not to discredit your 42 and 40 team, but I like to look at the Cavs, kind of break it down with years with LeBron just because, you know, he's such a polarizing guy. And you know, you expect wins. And when they don't, when they haven't had LeBron, you know, you have to go back to 97, 98, where they had four rookies in the starting lineup that they made uh, the playoffs. It was Ogalskis, Brevin Knight, Seth Henderson, and uh, I'll have to. I'll have to get the other one, but Derek Anderson was there as well. You know, it was just four rookies out of top, top seven guys playoffs. But, you know, what are your overall, overall from what you've seen, are you satisfied as a basketball fan that the Cavs are doing what they are? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm very proud of them. You know, they had a couple of distractions with the, um, the Porter, whatever was going on with Kevin Porter. I hate to see that end like that, but I think now he's gone on to Houston. I think now getting Prince, they can just kind of settle in and kind of just focus on basketball stuff and, and just keep playing. But I think now, I, I think they look good going forward. I believe in them. I think I think they'll do good um, once they get everybody back healthy, get Kevin Love back playing. I think they they got a chance. Yeah, and I'm personally I'm very encouraged by what I've seen. And here's here's what I just want to throw out real quick as, as we wrap up, Jeff. You know, only four guys have ever worn number zero for the Cavs. There might not ever be another one. You know, we had Larry Kettner in 2000. We had C.J. Miles from 2013, 2014. And then, obviously, Kevin Love's worn it for seven years. So my question for you, 
is that do you think you looked better in the number zero? If we pulled up <laughs> pictures of every guy rocking the jersey, that you were number zero the best? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I looked the best in it. Now, Kevin Love might have done more work in it, but <laughs> I definitely looked the best in it. <laughs> uh, you know, so, if, if, you never know. Yeah, so shout out to Kevin Love. Yeah, he's rocking that zero. He's rocking that zero. You know, Cavs have only had four double zeros for what it's worth. Uh, Migos, Babbage, 91. Benoit, Benjamin, 2000. Of course, Darnell Jackson. And then Birdman was the last to wear it. Now Jordan Clarkson went to Utah. He put on double zero. And, and all of a sudden, he's as viable to the Jazz as Greg Ostertag. It's crazy how sports work. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, man, it's crazy. But it's fun, man. Boys just change up, change the number, change scenery. You want to change the number, so... Clarkston probably one of the new numbers for the new scenery. So it worked out for him. Yeah, it's working out for him. You know, the Jazz are the hottest team in the league at eight straight. You know, they destroyed the Cavs uh, a couple Tuesdays ago. Nevertheless, you know, they're eight and eight. They have a tough one with the Lakers. I guess final question for you, Jeff. Uh, I know you'll probably be rooting for the Lakers. We can't be mad at you for that. You grew up a Laker fan. That's where your legacy started as a basketball player. You know, you wanted to get in there and give the Lakers a good fight every time you saw them. But can the Cavs beat the Lakers tonight, or is it just going to be a Laker win? Uh, I think they can go fight. Um, you know, that's why they play the game, man. I really, I'm really not big on to, like, predicting games and all that because I played, and I know, like, you can beat anybody anytime you go play. So, for me, I'll say, yeah, anybody can win the game. The Cavs can win any game they go play in. I mean, that's why you play the games. But I think it's going to be tough because the Lakers are focused in, AD and LeBron, they tough to beat. So, and then they got Schroeder playing good, uh, Kuzma playing good, um, K KCP playing good. So they they rolling right now. So, I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think, yeah, anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, no doubt. And I'd like to say thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure having you on today. It's been a lot of fun, you know, reminiscing with you and uh, talking about your coaching experiences. Man, I appreciate you having me, man. So for Jeff McGinnis and the Combine Academy, I'm Zach Weiss saying so long. This has been Across the Cavs, and we will see you later.